Hi, welcome again to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of September 14th. This is Chris Bevelo, the owner of Interval, the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. And I'm here in studio with, on my right, Adam Meyer, design director at Interval. And on your left? I didn't need to say that. Where else would you be? I was like, was I on your right? Jackie Ritako, account coordinator at Interval. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. This is our first in-studio session in a couple weeks. Quite some time. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks. Things really look different around here. <laughs> yeah, things have changed drastically. And it's a beautiful day, we should note, here in it Minnesota. Is. It's sunny and warm. That's awesome. Too bad we couldn't have this in August. <laughs> okay, so we took last week off, our first week off for the entire year. Kudos to us for doing that. Labor Day week. It was a hectic week. It was. Mm-hmm. And we're still in Labor Day week, let's be honest, about when we're recording this prior to the week of September 14th, as we'll note here in a second. You okay over there? <laughs> I'm struggling with my microphone, but I'm okay. Jackie's yeah. having tech, technology <laughs> issues. Don't mind me. So, so we're, we're happy to be back, and we're going to try to get back up to speed on some of our other stuff. We've been laxing on our blog posts as well. So, But first of all, we want to just touch base. Last night was Obama's big healthcare reform speech to both houses of Congress. And I, for one, have to say, you lie. (laughs) You lie. You lie. You liar. (laughs) You do not tell the truth. What in the hell? (laughs) I just have to say, what in the hell? Did we make a plea? Doesn't Congress listen to our podcast? Because about a month ago, we said, can we please, for the love of all that's holy, be civil about this conversation? No. And you've got some jerkweed from some podunk district who breaks all decorum in the House of Congress. Luckily, he's being painted as a pariah as we speak, as well he should. It's embarrassing. He just couldn't control himself, apparently. Seriously. It's pretty sad. (laughs) It's sad. It's unbelievable. What we were talking about before this podcast, our hope is that this guy's cornholiness Actually, might have it might be that I don't know who did it, but back when there was McCarthyism in the fifties, Joseph. If you guys don't remember that, Joseph McCarthy, you too, because you weren't. Well, I don't remember either. I wasn't born then. But he, you know, he had this. He he did awful things, and he scared the crap out of people for months until finally somebody stood up and said, "Sir, have you no decency?" Finally, somebody stood up to him and. At that point, basically, he fell apart, and we got over this Red Scare BS. Maybe this jerkweed's you lie comment was the final straw for people to say, okay, that's it. That's enough. Can we just get down to business <clears throat> here? So maybe it will have served a, a positive purpose. I, don't, I hope so. I hope so. But there's so many other individuals out there who have taken – it just it's it, politics has gotten so ugly lately, and I think I've said it before, but I'll, I'll say it again. Maybe it's just because the you know the, the older you get, maybe the more you pay attention to that stuff. Or in general, it's probably a fairly broad generalization, but maybe it was just that I didn't pay attention to politics as much when I was younger, but or, or with like ten years ago. But it just mm-hmm. seems so vicious right now. Mm-hmm. It seems so ugly. The last like ten years have just been. It seems to get worse and worse. Yes. Um, and you would think that some of the people like, 
And obviously, some of the names I'd throw out are mainly not that I not that I consider myself extremely liberal or conservative. I'm somewhere in the middle, but people like oh man, now names are slipping my mind. O'Reilly and all these these yeah. jokers who who take things to the, this extreme one one way or the other to an extreme, and it's just you'd think those people would serve that same purpose as well, but they don't. They just they just kind of stir up the pot with people who want to yeah. hear their their crap. Right. Right. The unfortunate part is somehow that gets way more coverage than it deserves. I mean, mm-hmm. the audience right. for, for some of the jokers you're talking about is a fraction of the U.S. population. Right. Yet somehow it seems to be a dominant voice. So, you know, we probably shouldn't get, go down the political road, but I agree with you. <laughs> it's gotten nastier, and it's, you know, my faith in politicians to do anything right is Nil. never been lower. I have yeah. no faith in them whatsoever. It's pretty bad right now. It is. And it's not just one side or the other. Both sides are culpable. It's just... Mm-hmm. Disgusting. We should all be ashamed as a country. We should just utterly be embarrassed. Right. And and on that note, you know, I I feel like I grew Damn up it. in a time in which I, I there were politicians that I could look up to or that I could actually respect and think that they were going to get things done. Um, I feel kind of bad for people who are growing up now and just starting to look at politics, understand politics, whether you're in high school age, because. If you grow up in a time when you have zero faith in anyone at all because you think everyone's out to screw you over, man, what kind of attitude are you going to have towards politics right. as, as an adult? It doesn't bode right. well. No. It does not bode well. Oh, well. Let's hope. Can we go on and on can we, can we pray? I mean, the odds of this actually taking a turn for the positive and something really great coming out of it are about one in six trillion. <laughs> but maybe we can just keep trying to push karma that direction and hope. Hope that that was the final, sir, have you no decency moment <laughs> of this, and, and we can actually get down to business and create something that will help the problem. We could start titling our podcast, maybe. Somebody had sent us that suggestion once. What would we call this one? You lie. No, this one would be, sir, have you no decency. Have you no decency. I said good day. <laughs> All right. Well. Let's, let's move on to something a little more direct to healthcare marketing. Jackie, you have something that you stumbled across that you thought would be interesting to talk about, so why don't you throw it out there? Yeah. Well, I was reading, her name is Laura Landro. Her blog is called The Informed Patient on the Wall Street Journal, and it's called Patients Get Power of Fast Response, and it kind of highlights this University of Pittsburgh Medical Center um, program called Condition H. I'm not speaking directly in the microphone. (laughs) You can yell that here. Um, which is essentially a hotline that um, for hospital patients and their family members to call when there is a noticeable change in patient um, and the healthcare team isn't nearby or not responding to concerns. Um, hello. Hello. Sorry, I disrupted I'm you. Getting, I to <laughs> Continue, I'm getting please. mixed signals from Continue, all. Continue, please. Um, and essentially what happens is when um, patients are admitted to the hospital, they're given... Um, brochures um, at the time of their admission, and then there's a whole bunch of other things they receive as well. But um, it's essentially a number they can call in the hospital um, if they obviously notice that they're... Why are you laughing? Because I can't (laughs) get over this concept. Well, yeah, I can't either because the thing I find interesting about it is you automatically assume that people are going to be fast responders in the hospital. You're in the hospital. it's It's a number to call. What's on the other end of that? Who? Somebody in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the hospital. And you call this number if you have 
if, if you're confused or if you have questions right, about if you what's can't going raise, on. Like if you're on a if you're in a room and you can't raise help and something's going wrong or you, you need right. help, you call this hotline which alerts people <laughs> in the hospital. Now that's the when I first heard about this, oh go ahead. Well I was just gonna say, yeah, there's a specific team that responds to these specific calls. And the thing that it's Basically, it's called the Josie King Foundation that started this. Uh-huh. I believe she was an 18-month-old child that died because... No, medical error. Too, yeah, medical, a medical error. error. Okay. So great reason. Mm-hmm. Right. But the thing I found interesting, I found this on the Josie King website, is it says if people are able to call 911 from their home. Why is the control taken away when hospitalized? Because you're in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, you're where you... <laughs> no. you, you are exactly. at the ultimate destination no, no. to calling your... To calling just, there's so many ways it could go with this. I mean, it's a, it's a great idea. Practically, it's a great idea because this is a huge issue. Anybody who spent time in a hospital will tell you it's a huge issue. But, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that you have to do this right. underscores what the hell. I mean, hey, the fire department's here. If the fire's not getting put out right, here's as a you number watch to your house burn, <laughs> call this number to the fire department and they'll let the firemen know who are on scene that there's to a do fire to put different. out. <laughs> it just like boggles my mind that you would have to do this. Yeah, yeah. Right. It it again, it's a great idea because it, it's a problem that needs to be solved. And unfortunately in this case it's <laughs> founded on a little girl who died because right. she, because they couldn't raise an alarm. Mm-hmm. But what does that say? I mean, if I got that at hospital admission, yes. I'd be like, what does this mean? It right. completely undercuts my, what? You're telling me that I could die as soon as I walk into this room because nobody's going to listen to me? Right. We, I mean, ugh. Are they going to be unaware that I'm there or? Plus, the other the thing, I'm a huge believer in incentives and misaligned incentives and incentives that you create to, to cause one thing causing others. In some ways, this lets the staff off the hook. Well, now that we got condition H, we don't really have to respond because they can always call the hotline. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine people actually would consciously think that, but doesn't it take the pressure off the staff to know that, hey, I've got backup? If something goes mm-hmm. wrong, somebody will cover for me? God, I don't I, Maybe, but I, if I were, I put myself in those shoes. I mean, I, I was a, a nursing assistant for a little while, so I mean, I've kind of been in the shoes of people who are right there providing care. Um,. Or maybe it's the opposite. I was going to say, I think it might be the opposite. I mean, I would, the last person, the last room I'm going to want to walk into is the room that was forgotten, where there's somebody in there who is so irate that they got to the point that they had to call this condition H. Condition H. Yeah, because the storm's coming down on your head. Right. So, I don't know. If there's an incentive, I would say the incentive is is for people to, for staff to not to be even okay. more on their toes and okay. to not neglect. Well, it depends how they have it set up. If, if it, this is as much about monitoring their own staff and, and laying down the law saying, hey, we believe in this so much, we're giving the power to patients to call you on this. It's, so still, it's, well still, a weird, it's still a weird solution to, to, the, to the problem. To the problem. It's a, Why that's don't a they just rewire solution? the little red button you push so that it rings? It's like, okay, so well, like right now we have that... phone solutions that if you call one number and, and somebody's not there, it automatically transfers to the next number. Right. It, so it all, all this is is another little red button to right. push, essentially, right? Yes. So you push the one button that you already have next to your bed and nobody shows up. There's a light out in front of your room. There's a light flashing at the nurse's desk, the nurse's station, and nobody's, it's just, it's either there's nobody there to see it because they're so right. understaffed or busy 
or they're just yeah. ignoring it. Right. Chances are it's the first one. Um. So then you now you've got this number to call. I mean, why, so why wouldn't second. they do what I what I like we do with the phones? Why wouldn't they just rig that little red button so that if it the first time you push it, it goes to the nurse's station. The second time, it goes to the nurse's station and to condition age well, staff. I think some some people sit in there and just push that button all day anyway. Yeah, but that's the problem. As there. soon as you think that as a care provider, the one person <laughs> who's doing that because they're on the floor having a heart attack is the one that needed you. Right, right. So anyway, I just thought I, I understand why they're doing it, and I, I like the concept from a <clears throat> safety patient care perspective. Right. But from a brand-building perspective, a marketing perspective, a perception perspective, Ooh, I don't even know that I like it from a. I don't even know that I like it from a safety inspective perspective. Well, it's bound to help. Yeah, right. but I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's like if if it's gotten to the point that this is necessary, something. It's like a band aid fix to a bigger problem, a problem that needs to be solved, right? Through other means, anyway. I mean, there, you see that kind of stuff all over the, all over the place. Like like on, on a huge scale, affirmative action is kind of that. There is a huge societal issue that is minorities not getting hired for positions they're perfectly qualified for. So the fix is to force employers to hire people in certain areas. Now all of a sudden somebody's getting a job where they may not be wanted right. on one level. It's it's a hor- it's it's a good concept to a serious problem, but it's it's a not necessarily the greatest fix for the problem. It's not addressing the core Right, the core problem which right. is root cause is prejudice, racism, right. Right. <laughs> right. So, well, it'll be, I mean, it's a very touching story to read about Josie King, and you don't want to discourage efforts to improve quality of care and safety, especially given the origins of this. Right. Uh, but it's very curious, and it, it just seems to reinforce all the worst perceptions. Right. And, you know, the reality, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center is very well regarded, highly regarded, I believe. In mm-hmm. the country, so uh, it says something when it's a leader going out there doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure I would publicize it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> Maybe they didn't have a choice. That could be. Well, fascinating. Well, we'll have to watch and see. I wonder what other people. We love to hear from somebody at the University of Pittsburgh or anybody else who has a who has feedback on that. Mm-hmm. Where I guess I would say I'm unsure of that. Mm-hmm. Love the love the intent. Right. Love the problem it's trying to tackle. Just not sure that you're not answer? doing more harm than good. Right. Well, you save a life. I mean, that's pretty damn good. But are there other ways to do it without painting yourself as they get incompetent? They, they get at the core yeah. issue that we're facing, mm-hmm. which yeah. is people not getting the help they need when they're at the place where they should get the help. Yeah. Right. You know, investing in staff, for example. Or communication technology, for example. All right. Interesting. Nice contribution. Okay. Let's talk about one more thing here. Uh, Jackie, you also found this. This is from Nielsen, so respected research, right? Mm-hmm. And the statistic you found was that Twitter has emerged as a primary destination for consumer feedback, having grown 1,928% between June 2008 and June 2009. Now, I, this is from Brand Week, an article. Right. I didn't read the article. What I can't tell from this is whether that increase is in the use of Twitter 
number of tweets, the number of people tweeting, or in consumer feedback tweets. You, did you do you remember seeing what it was? Was it just the increase overall in the use of Twitter? I believe so. Okay. And then yeah, that specific one is related to the consumer. Okay. So obviously this has ramifications for our world, for hospitals and health systems, uh, because one of the primary uses of Twitter is listening. Mm-hmm. Listening for anybody that says anything about your organization so you can jump in there and help them out. Service recovery is is the category it would fit under. Uh, but we started talking about this and, and trying to think of examples of companies that do this well. And one that we brought up was Comcast, which is which has got national recognition for their adoption of particularly Twitter, but also Facebook as service recovery, uh, service support. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have different experiences with that. Right. Right. I think, you know, in fact, <clears throat> three levels of experience. One was we were having issues with another provider and hinted at Comcast and they got back to us in like 30 seconds. Right. But then it wasn't exactly the smoothest of transitions from the Twitter response to the actual service help, the sales help. Is that fair to say, Jackie? You were out yeah. in front. We were looking at our own internet service, right? Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that the whoever was monitoring Twitter automatically you know, set off the alarm to some guy locally here who called me immediately, and then after that, the service kind of fell off. But it was like in response to whoever was responding, you know, to the tweets, right. kind of as like an emergency situation. Then after that, it wasn't as satisfying. But that's okay. Which is the gigantic part of the iceberg you don't see. Mm-hmm. That you know, if you think of a hospital and you say, "Well, you know, we should have somebody monitoring Twitter," okay, that's the tip of the iceberg. Whoever that person is, looks like your Comcast example. If they're good at what they do, they're catching somebody who says, oh, I had a terrible experience at XYZ Hospital. And they're saying, oh, I'm sorry, how can we help you? And that person says, my grandma was in for a knee replacement and this happened. Now, that's all fine and well, but if you're putting yourself out there to help, you've got to have the systems internally to Mm -hmm. make that happen. And if that tweet monitor person, TMP, (laughs) the TMP... (laughs) Uh, forwards it on to the Joint Replacement Center and it gets lost, right. or they're slow to respond, or they go, what's a tweet, or who cares, or they're wrong, or we don't even have this patient on record or whatever. That's the harder side of service recovery. Listening is important. Well, but then plus it's there's, the con- there's the consistency issue. Do you respond yeah. to every tweet that says Comcast in it? Which was your experience. Right. right? I mean, I, I, I put it tweeted a couple weeks ago it might have been last week i think the tweet said comcast just sent me a bill for one penny (laughs) seriously comcast so and i i had no response back to that i didn't well i shouldn't say i didn't do it to get a response i expected i probably would get a response because it seems like something somebody would have said oh well you know don't don't worry about that or or whatever you know they would have said something but right but that goes to the whole underside of the iceberg, which is they may not have the authority and our building system does this and sorry. Right. I mean, there may be nothing. The tweet monitor person. Right. I mean, how many <laughs> about it? How ridiculous is it to get a bill for one penny? What a it great co- response would have been. Oh, that's insane. Really <laughs> sorry about that. We'll, we'll look into it or something. So just, you know, that you were heard. You, you don't necessarily, like you said, you didn't necessarily expect them to say, Hey, mm-hmm. we'll waive the bill or whatever, but just a, it's a, it's kind of a humorous thing, right? Right. To just go, well, that was stupid. That just cost us whatever. What's a first class stamp now? Forty two cents, like something like cents that. Something? Plus yeah. the paper, it was printed, the envelope, yeah. and the printing. And I mean, there's a yeah. lot. That thing cost 
you know, I don't know 50, 50 cents, cents maybe to send out. <laughs> Quest used to do, Quest used to have this thing that was so unbelievable to me. Every time we get a Quest bill, and this happened for years, they postmarked the back of the bill and then they would postmark the front. So in other words, they run it through upside down, waste all that postage and run it through again. <laughs> How much money do you think they wasted doing that? Wow. This happened for years. I could probably find some envelopes <laughs> that have that on there. Maybe that's why they went to online billing. Maybe they, they only get charged for the front and they didn't give a crap. You know what's ridiculous too is we also we already had like a credit on our account there anyway for like thirty dollars or something. So not only did we not not only did it cost them more than it cost them fifty cents to send me a bill for a one penny for one penny, mm-hmm. they could have just took it off what they already owed me. Well and Stupid. the the <laughs> What would be worse is if you didn't pay that and you went like, you got behind and they right. you know, went down that normal path of we're going to shut down your cable and, and we're how calling exactly, the collection agency. How exactly <laughs> do you it. pay a bill for yeah. one penny? Do you mail a penny? You can't mail. You're not supposed to mail cash. <laughs> mail, mail them a penny, penny, tape a penny to it and send it back. Yes. Check for a penny. Yeah. And you know what they would have said if you did that? We cannot accept We cash. cannot accept They'll send Coins. me another bill for a penny with That's an explanation. Right. It would have been like four cents because there would have been interest. Well, that would have been a huge interest, though. A three cent interest tag. That would have been like 300% interest. Yeah. Or more. It would have been like more like 1.04 pennies that I would right. have. Right, right. And then you could have like gotten some kind of like tool and like carved a penny up instead of like a little Lincoln's head <laughs> tape next to it. Here's right. your 1.04 cents that I owe you. <laughs> But anyway, the the point of this was more and more people are using it. But we had a good discussion about our anecdotal belief is that Twitter is still not anywhere close to Facebook as far as consumer adoption. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many people that we know on a personal level are on Facebook. The majority of people I know are on Facebook. Right, right. The very small minority of people I know are on Twitter. Correct. Mm-hmm. And we cover cover a little bit i mean between the three of us we cover a little bit of a span and age of like 10 years at least so i mean it's not like mm-hmm. we're all the exact same demographic um yeah i don't i don't know i just that's i don't know it seems like this and I, a lot of times when i on on social networking don't oh, crap what tipped over my water <laughs> on social networking sites where um where they talk about Twitter, I, a lot of times I see reference to and poking fun at the fact that it's a, a lot of marketers and communicators yeah. who are using Twitter. That's that's, that's kind of the inside joke online, and it's probably not really an inside jo- a joke. It's it's a lot of truth to that. Right. right, there's a lot of truth. I mean, if you are just if you are an average Joe who doesn't have this component in their job or have a need for it, why? I don't think I would be on Twitter. No, I, I certainly s- don't use Twitter for personal reasons like Facebook. Right. No. Right. I, don't I mean, I, I. Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I, I would say on the on a personal level, I follow. I do follow people that I'm interested in, on things that are not necessarily. But, you, but you're part of another related. segment that, if we want to stereotype, if we want to stereotype communicators, tech tech nerds, tech right. nerds, right, are also on this because this is a technology that they'd be quick to adopt to. Yep. Yep. Uh, also, mm-hmm. political movement, you know, you see a lot of folks that are... Communicate. They're communicating. Communities like that, right? right? But just... Celebrities. I mean, if I, if I went to my block party in my neighborhood and I asked who here's on Twitter, it would be like one out of 100. Right. I'm guessing. Right. Well, most people think of Twitter and they think of Ashton Kutcher and <laughs> Demi Moore and everything. Right. Which, I mean, if you're really interested in following that type of stuff, that's up to you, but... But even then... Okay. Is there a celebrity niche too that we're missing here? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Of people following just celebrities? 
I would think so. I think so. I, I mean, I, there's Maybe, definitely yeah. a, a, a significant. There's a huge. It's it's used by consumers. At, you, at lie. you lie. You <laughs> lie. It's just in, in in I think in our experience, we're just not right. we're not in the demographic list necessarily using if, it on that level. If I went on Twitter right now, I could probably pull up eight trillion reports on Twitter segmentation. So right. we probably should have done our homework and actually <laughs> been able to answer this. Well, <laughs> you started. You said we were talking anecdotally, which anecdotally, we in which our we own, certainly are. Yes. But I bet um, we're pretty close. I think so. I think so. But you we're know, we're so smart. When it comes, to, like, <laughs> we still encourage you know our clients when appropriate to use it because there's still a, there's still a significant portion of the population of just consumers who are using it right. on some level so i mean right. even even though we joke and, and and talk about how we don't use it on that level ourselves there are people who certainly are so it's not like blowing it off right well anyway we'll see if uh we'll keep monitoring that it'd be fun to just randomly toss out negative things about companies and test who responds <laughs> And how quickly they respond. That would be fun. You think we should try that? Mm-hmm. Just throw it out Go there Go after the big guys? What the hell's up with Wells Fargo? <laughs> and just see what happens. It'd be interesting to see if they are on it. Well, I think, Chris, you got such a fast response because your tweet was, X company sucks. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> really ticked. Which might have been different than like what Adam... I was really ticked. And yeah. they jumped right on it. Mm-hmm. And this X company, who I won't mention... Did a good job of responding. Right. Be great. I mean, I think the people that are the tweet monitoring people—that's my own term. I like that. TWPs <laughs> are good at what they do, but they're limited again because right. of that same circumstance. He can only do so much to help me with the real problem I had. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's interesting about X Company, which I won't mention, um, well, why not? It was Quest. <laughs> I mean, you can go back and find out. Is they also have tweet posts that are just really random, and the one that they have because now I follow the Quest person. Every day they have today is something day. avocado fruit salad day. <laughs> today is Morbin Pioneer Day. I mean, they just somewhere they've got a calendar and they randomly throw this out there, which is interesting. I don't know. It's kind of fun and lighthearted, and why not? And if you're sitting there waiting for people to rip on you or or say positive things, I guess mm-hmm. might as well fill it with some fluffy stuff in between. <laughs> might as well. <laughs> I am sitting on the deck. My my kids love that ad. That's an ad we should say we love. Oh, the Dad, Verizon stop one? saying you tweet from the couch. I am tweeting from the couch. <laughs> <laughs> my kids that is a good that. one. All right, that's a good place to sign off. So for Healthcare Marketing Insights, this is Chris Bevelo. Staccato. This is Adam Meyer. Jackie Rotaco. I'm boring. <laughs> Dropping I the ball there. I refuse to go there. Well, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>